Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. Today we have part two of our conversation with Joyce Pipkin, the coordinator of the programs in Haiti. Let's continue to hear her amazing stories and let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education Equals Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of Equals H and the director of the program here in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well. As you know, Equals H exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. The main purpose for this podcast is to be able to communicate to our dear listeners, partners in ministry, and supporters um, all what we do, uh, any activities that we have within Equals H, and the life and mission of our mission group. And also the fact that we are not just based in Ecuador. <laughs> no, we focus in Ecuador because that's where we live and work, right? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, but, that's where we live <laughs> for now. <laughs> You're not allowed to go anywhere. That's, that's not even funny. Um, we live and work in Ecuador. We do, we do. We live and work <laughs> but, in Ecuador. But we get to be a part of the larger Equals H family. And that is uh, a part of a network of ministries doing similar work. And to in Rwanda and Kenya and Costa Rica and in Haiti. Haiti. You've learned how to say it in English. I've learned how to say it in English. Haiti. Today we have Joyce Pipkin with us again. Welcome back, Joyce. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Cameron and Jorge. Um, Joyce, of course, uh, hopefully you've listened to the previous podcast where she um, shared how she got started in ministry in in. In Haiti, and it wasn't even Equals H ministry at that point. No, it was no. just her church and her outreach board at her church and personal relationship. There's that word again. Absolutely. Uh, personal relationship of her priest with uh, another priest um, in the same denomination in Haiti. And then that brought her and her husband on this wild journey of having deep relationship and deep friendship in Haiti, becoming... Um, uh, frequent frequent visitors going at least two to three times a year, of course, when there's not a political coup or a pandemic or earthquake or tsunamis or any of that stuff. But normally, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we left off uh, the story last time, Joyce, you had shared with us how the ministry got started in, in the two, not in Port-au-Prince, but in Cavaillon. Am I saying that right? Gavion and Lakai. So those are the two ministry sites that you um, you kind of brought in the door to Education Equals Hope. How about we tell a little bit of that story of how it is that this program um, transitioned from being what your church home grew um, and the relationships and the friendships there to now being a part of the Education Equals Hope family and, and what the ministry looks like now. Okay. Um, and if it's okay, I'd like to add just a tiny bit more about the history of uh, where we're at now with the programs. Sure. So um, we initially started with a sponsorship program that was focused in the town of Lakai in the far south of Haiti. And then in 2000, that was in through 2004. And in 2004, I was there visiting by myself. Um, and our pastor took me out to visit a countryside church mm. in the area of Cavallon. 
beautiful countryside about 45 minutes from Lakai. And when we went there, uh, there was no school. It was just a church building. And in the back of the church building, the lay leader of the church was voluntarily teaching 12 children, mm. a couple of whom were his own children. Um, but there wasn't any local school available. And so he was just voluntarily teaching these kids. So when you so say lay leader, I'm sorry to interrupt. When you say lay leader, you mean the man who was in charge of making that church run, but was not an ordained priest or deacon. Correct. He was the lay person in charge of making that church run. Right. Okay, great. Right. And um, he was not formally educated as a teacher, but um, had worked with children and in schools before. So um, we spent some time there, uh, visited with the children. Some of the families came by. Uh, they sang songs for us. We just had a wonderful time there. And about an hour and a half later, we we're leaving. The children are following the truck as we go down the road and hoping that we'll come back. And I said, well, you know what? What would it take? What does a teacher in Haiti earn? Hmm. And at that point in time, um, he said about $60 a month is what a teacher would earn. Yeah, $2. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to go back. I know we have a sponsorship program in Lakai, but I'm going to go back and see if we can't raise some funds to pay uh, this person to teach uh, beginning next school year. $60 a month didn't seem like much at all. So I went back home, and that two Sundays after I got back, one of our very generous supporters tapped me on the shoulder from our church and said, I just put a check for $5,000 in the collection box oh, wow. for whatever is needed the most in Haiti. I was like, fell off my pew. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back home after church. I right away sent an email to Father Rock, our pastor that we dealt with in Haiti. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but we have a $5,000 check whatever you need the most is going to be covered by that money. He wrote back immediately and said, we will have a school in Kavayar in September. Mm. Now this is in, this is in May. He's saying we're going to have a school in Kavayar in September. Wow. And as anything in the Caribbean, things move very slowly. You know, maybe in the U S yeah, build a school in three months. We could do that. But in Haiti, that's not usually what happens. But in this case, it did. And in September, he opened a school with five grades and 86 students. And wow. um, there it was, the School of St. Esprit and our second ministry site. So with all of that said, um, we began raising funds to pay the teachers in that school. And we were also still raising funds to help support the children that were being sponsored in Lakai. And the sponsorship program had grown to, at that point, about 75 children of all ages, mm -hmm. from kindergarten to high school at that point in time, which is actually known as secondary school in Haiti. So, um, you know, the program was really growing. And at that point, we were just raising funds through fundraisers at our church and reaching out to friends and family. And then a mutual friend of Cameron and mine mm -hmm. uh, by the name of Chip Smith. He's been on the Hopecast. He's like episode yeah. two or three or something like that. Okay. <laughs> so he was the one to establish the nonprofit organization Education Equals Hope because mm -hmm. he had known Cameron for many years and was so very committed to her devotion to her, the ministry God had called her to in Ecuador. 
So um, he said, you know, I have this nonprofit organization called Education Equals Hope. Do you think St. Mary's Episcopal Church might want to partner with us? You know, this might open up some opportunities for fundraising that you don't have right now. And we're like, yes, mm-hmm. hands down, we will take that invitation. <laughs> Let me think and, about it. Yes. <laughs> and so um, without going any further, we all automatically became a partner of Education Equals Hope as soon as the Board of Education Equals Hope said yes. Mm-hmm. And um, they said yes. So we were in. And shortly thereafter, I received a message from the treasurer of our vestry at our church saying, you know what, this ministry has grown way beyond what our part-time bookkeeper can help Mm, take care of. So you really need to start a nonprofit organization. (laughs) God's timing is beautiful. Okay, Okay, yes, Lord. Um, I thought I was just the volunteer that went to go visit Haiti and coordinate these things, but I guess this is what I have to do. So I called up Chip and I said, guess what? We really need a nonprofit organization now. And at that point in time, it was 2012, we actually transferred over all of the bookkeeping and the administration of the fundraising to Education Equals Health. Mm -hmm. And I became a member of the board and um, the site director, site coordinator, whatever the title is that we have right now. (laughs) And and so here I am. I'm still doing it. And we now have, this year, we have 125 students in our sponsorship program at the Lakai Ministry site. So that program that started with 10 kids now has 125 kids. Right. Okay. And at our school in Cavillon, we now have grades, three grades of kindergarten. We have nine grades of primary school. And this year we just added one grade, the first grade of secondary school. And there are 237 students there. Wow. And we also back as a result of a team that I took down with me back in 2014, Um, We started a feeding program at the school after the team members were just so uh, captured by the the needs and the smiles of the children and just seeing, going to see what was actually happening and what the situation was. Mm -hmm. They were compelled to do something more than just go visit Haiti. Mm -hmm. And um, as Cameron, I'm sure, has shared many times, Uh, What our goal is, is not to just bring teams to come and see, but to bear fruit from Mm -hmm. their visit Mm -hmm. and to spread the word about the needs and to continue to help through their experience. Here, 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 here. Yes, that is an ongoing relationship and partnership. Absolutely. So my question for you, Joyce, um, what, how many years have have there been between the beginning, those first ideas, those first conversations and right now? Okay, so everything started in 1998. Wow, yeah. So we're now, what, 24 years? What, 23 years? No, 24 years into it. Yeah. 24 years. Yeah, close to that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of time. And um, whenever we talk about missions, we have talked about how important relationships are. Um, in our podcast several times, which is something very important to remember that we are not just doing this out of, um, 
you know, we're not just one, wanting to do this because of a finance need. We want to do this for a relationship need and something that is bigger than just the incomes or the outcomes that we can have. How is it possible to measure the action of a ministry like yours within the culture? Sometimes for some of our listeners, they would like to just know about numbers or know about um, how our school changed the entire city. But we know that sometimes those um, goals are good to have, but are very, very hard to reach. How would you say that you have um, been able to witness how we measure the goals and the achievements in the ministry of Haiti? Okay, so one of the very clearest um, measurements in my mind is to see how the children and students in our program um, have how long they have been in the program and where they are now. Mm -hmm. And for a program that started with 10, well, 20 actually small children that were of kindergarten age, um, we now have students that age from three to 33. Hmm. And this year we have 21 students that are in higher education. Wow. Um, so just that as an aside, it's just, it's really a great measurement in my mind because in Haiti, only 20% of the students that ever start secondary school, which is like 10th grade mm. and, and onward, only 20% of the students that are eligible to start are actually enrolled in secondary school and going forward from there. So I don't have any statistics um, that are accurate in Haiti about how many students, so the eligible students that complete secondary school are actually in higher education. So all I can do is look at what our segment of that mm -hmm, student mm -hmm, population mm -hmm. is. And just this year, um, of course, I've been very busy every year, starting with zero, <laughs> to keep this thing going. But just this year, I had the opportunity to work with an intern last semester. And one of the um, projects that I had her work on was to develop a spreadsheet that tracked all of the students that have been in our program since 2012, when we started with Education Equals Hope. Mm -hmm. And that turned out to be about two as of today, it's about 250 students mm -hmm. from 2012 until now that have participated in the program. And so we now have um, a tracking mechanism to show how much they have been able to progress um, in the different levels of education. Uh -huh. And so we're, we're able to begin to develop statistics of our own, you know, what percentage of the students that start, finish ninth grade, because ninth grade is a really big segment of um, progress in Haiti. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you have this in Ecuador. I know it happens in some other um, countries, but in Haiti, at the end of ninth grade, the students, all the students throughout the country have to take an official exam administered by the government and pass that exam before they are eligible to even enroll in a secondary school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, to measure the percentage of our ninth grade students that have been able to pass the exam, that's something that we're going to focus on capturing. Okay. And then the next time that they have to take an official exam is when they complete 
um, four additional years after ninth grade, they have four additional years of secondary school. Mm -hmm. And then they have to take an official exam in order to be eligible for any opportunity to go beyond that for higher education. So um, we do know right off the bat that we have 20 students as of today in our Lakai ministry site that have passed that official exam and are in higher education. Mm-hmm. And the other really exciting, exciting thing um, is that we now in our programs, we have four teachers that were once students in our program. Oh, wow. Now, they've gone through teacher training after secondary school and are now teachers in our programs. I, so, lo- I um, love that when it turns back around. Really, yeah, they're the only jobs we can really offer mm-hmm. uh, to our students. Um, and not all of them want to be teachers. Uh, but because teaching doesn't have a really good reputation in Haiti in general, mm-hmm. as far as being a, you know, a well-paid and reliable job. Mm-hmm. Because some of the national schools, the government schools, don't even pay their teachers on time. So we pride ourselves in, number one, um, only hiring qualified teachers that have had some level of professional education to be trained to be a teacher. And number two, um, we have thankfully been able to raise the funds we need every year to pay our teachers on time every month. That is is a gift. Yeah, it is a huge huge gift. Um, So Joyce, as we we look at January 2022, what are the, what are the crying needs or the biggest needs or the biggest celebrations um, of the program right now? Okay, so um, let's look back a few months because all of the answers to that question have changed after August 14th. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. August 14th, um, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake hit Lakai and Kavayan directly hit our ministry sites. So um, all of the priorities of everything changed as of that day. And uh, we thankfully were able to um, have a campaign for earthquake relief uh, to help many, many of our uh, students have a place to go back to school. So, uh, Okay, so the number one priority right now, we were able to raise enough funds to construct a temporary school in Lakai, even though that was not one of our sponsored schools, we had a third of the students in our program, in the Lakai sponsorship program, actually went to the Episcopal school that was completely destroyed in the earthquake. Mm. The church and the school were completely destroyed um, they were, they had major structural damage and had to be completely demolished. So that church had been in place for 155 years mm. in Lakai, and it's gone. Uh, but the people still exist. The pastor is still there and he's still conducting weekly services. So um, we also uh, were able, like I said, we were able to establish a temporary school site for those children in that school to go back to school uh, this past November 3rd. And so they've been back in school in Lakai since November 3rd. All the other schools in Lakai also had major damage. So the whole school year didn't even start until November this year. Mm. In our countryside, we were able to start classes because we had some damage, but we had some classroom buildings 
that were still intact. So we kind of rearranged things for the time being. We haven't started any reconstruction there, but we've had classes there since middle, the middle of October. Great. So I'm imagining prayers for those students and for those teachers. You said you're in the middle of the campaign currently um, to find the sponsorship for this year. Is that true? Um, yes. In our Lakai program, we have 125 students needing sponsorship, and I still have 25 students that need individual sponsors. And the sponsorships range from $100 to $500 for the school year, depending on what level they're at and what their family's capability is. So it is tailored so, to each individual family. You need $20 support. You need $100 support. And so someone who'd be interested in, um, in coming alongside the Haiti program, they could do $5 a month. They could do $20 a month. They could do $100 a month. And there's a place to to put in all of those different levels. Is that true? Right. We have some students that have maybe two or three sponsors because they have a higher level of need. Okay. Great. But yes, as you're saying, any amount um, can be put to use to sponsor one of those 25 students that are still in need in Lakai. Okay. And then we always need donations for uh, payment of our teacher salaries and the feeding program at our countryside school. Joyce, how would someone get in touch with you? Uh, you can email me at Joyce at educationequalshope.org. That would be the easiest way uh, because that's a little, the, probably the easiest way to remember. Joyce Everybody knows educationequalshope.org. So Joyce at educationequalshope. And I would be happy to help in any way to design a sponsorship program for anybody who is interested in helping. That's really cool, Joyce. Before we um, wrap up with you, I would love to hear what are some dreams and goals for this next year that we can be praying for you and the Ministry of Haiti. The number one prayer request is for peace in Haiti. Mm -hmm. um, it's been out of the news lately, but as recently as last week, there were four people that were killed by gangs on the road from Port-au-Prince to the south of Haiti. So it's not safe to travel anywhere outside of Port-au-Prince. And everything that the people need and, and receive in Lakai comes from Port-au-Prince. All the supplies, um, food, housing, building materials, everything comes through that way. So there are still a lot of ambushes and danger on the road in um, coming from Port-au-Prince. So peace is the number one reality and stability um, and honesty in their government. Um, without that, things are probably going to continue the way they are. The one incredible thing, though, is that the people that we work with in the south of Haiti are in a fairly calm environment. And... They have a hope and a resilience that is beyond words of description. Mm -hmm. And even though they may have lost their homes, they mm -hmm. may have lost everything that they ever accumulated, they are going on, they are finding a way to survive, and they're thankful for their children to be back in school. Mm. Great. We will keep that. That yeah, human absolutely. resilience is, we've seen that over and over here as well. And you get, it's like that song, you get knocked down, but you get up again. And the great news is that um, these students 
do have hope. Um, they first have the hope that they are known and loved and valued um, by their creator. And then also um, knowing when the, knowing that the body of Christ actually comes into action and puts things into action. And it's not just um, a check checkbox of what you believe, but it's how you live your life and what you do. Joyce, again, thank you for how you live your life, for mm-hmm. what you do, for choosing to spend tireless hours, um, effort, um, leveraging those relationships that you have for the well-being of people that you know and love and have relationship with. And they're not just cute faces on a screen, but people that are um, very much in your life. Thank you for what you do and for how you live your life. You are welcome. Thank you. And if you would like to be part of Equal Sage, please go to www.educationequalshope.org and find out how to donate, uh, how to be part of anything that we do, any activities like short-term teams or any kind of a sponsorship that we do within our ministry. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you, supporters, because we can't do any of this ministry in Haiti or in Ecuador or around the world without you. Thanks for being a voice and a light of hope for those in desperate and difficult situations. See you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to our Hopecast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage www.educationequalshope.org or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.